I, I'd like you, if you would, to uh, keep standing. I know you've been standing a while, but keep standing, if you would. I want to go to a scripture, but I want to tell you, first of all, what I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to talk to you about, I'm going to talk to you on the topic of we are the church. We are the church. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 1:23. It says, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. Somebody say, we are the church. Researchers did a study just a few years ago, three, three four, five years ago, on the National Basketball Association, the NBA. And here's what the study was all about. They, they kept track of how many touches that the team had, how many touches they had. In the preseason, they started in the preseason, and they went a few weeks into the season. So this study wasn't done after the teams knew who was winning and who was not winning. It was done while the verdict was still out about the season. Here's the interesting thing. They recorded every touch on the different teams, the teams with the most high fives, fist pumps, butt slaps. Those teams had the winningest record at the end of the year. Why do I tell you that? Because today, as we talk about who we are, I want to just have a little bit of rally around it. Like, I just want to rally together and boldly declare we are the church. We are the church. And yes, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to do some of this throughout the message today where you, let, let's do it right now. Let's leave our seat. Let's go to somebody behind us, next to us, around us, and tell them we are the church. Come on, we are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. Okay, you may be seated. Let me just start with something you'll really relate to, and that is that how different people view is and opinion is about the church. Like if you've invited somebody to church, you might hear why they don't go to church. And they have concepts, right? They have concepts and ideas about church, their thoughts about the church. And, and, and so it could come from the church they attended. It could come from a background. It could be that, you know, they, they experienced something at church and now they are turned off by church. Um, they could see church as something that is optional. Like a lot of people see, they'll say, they'll say things like, well, you know, I, I love, I, I believe in Jesus and I'm a Christ follower, but I, I, I'm not a church guy. Uh, we, we, I, don't, I, don't do, I don't do church, like uh, optional, it's just kind of optional, you know, and some people view church as providing a service for them, it's like a consumer mindset, like so, so when they need a pastor to marry them, like they're looking for the church, 
like a church, a pastor, so we can do our vows. If they need, they have a tragedy uh, in their family, like the uh, conflict, they look for a pastor who will advise, a counseling session. Uh, maybe somebody passes away in their family and they need a, 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 a church, a pastor, where they can do a funeral, right? It's, it's service in their mind. It, the church exists to provide services, you know, for them. That's, that's the mindset for the church. They'll show up for baby dedication. And I'll just, I'll give you a little uh, insight into pastoring and how we pastors feel sometimes. I don't want to say for sure your pastor feels this way, but I do. I, I've pastored for 36, 7, something like that years, the same church. So, like, I see people come on baby dedication, for example. Like, they come out of the woodwork. Like, just, they're showing up. They're bringing their children, and, man, they're just all around the front. So, I don't really do the dedication prayer anymore. We have several locations, etc. But when I was doing the dedication prayer, I prayed more for the parents than I did for the baby. I'm like, Lord, help us love your house. Lord, help us be faithful. Lord, help us train up these children. <laughs> these parents are thinking, what about my baby? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bless this baby. Protect them, I pray in Jesus' name. Like, because, you know, a lot of people just, they're there, get the service, perform, and, and they, don't, they, don't, they underestimate the value of this thing called the church and why it exists. And so today my goal is to talk to you about how, how God sees the church. Not how your uncle sees the church, not how your friend sees the church, that person at work you invite all the time. I, I just want to talk about, is that okay? How does God see the church? And maybe in the process, you'll find some things in your own mind that you're going, yeah, I need, to, I need some correction there or, or whatever. But I, I mainly want to celebrate God's great church today. And you'll know why as I work my way through this. Let me begin with this. It's simple, but we can't ever forget that the church is not a place, but a people. Thank God for this building. I remember when you moved in here, and we came and celebrated with you, and you needed this building. Now we got three services. Like, where were you? I was waiting for you. I've been here all three today. I'm joking. I'm just kidding. You got three services now, because the church is growing. Church, we need this building. We need the chair you sit in. We need, we need all of this that we have. Thank God for it. But let's not forget that the church is not a place. The church is a people. The church is not also not who we are individually. The church is who we are collectively. So, you know, you don't take a selfie and call it a family photo, because it's just you. It's just, it's just you, right? The same with the church. Like, you're not the church. You and I get to be part of the church. But the church is who we are together. The church is people that God calls his people. It's my people. That's kind of popular in some. These are my people. Like, 
But way before we talked about, you know, these are my people, he called out a people. Ephesians 2 says, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. Now you are fellow citizens with what? With God's, talk to me, church. Yeah, with God's people. So who are we today? Yeah, and and who else? We are what? We are, come on, we are who? So it means we're God's people. It means God has invested himself in us. It means we are chosen and we are called by God. It means that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the city. I'm telling you what the Bible says about us, about we. It says we are a city set on a hill. Now, sometimes when I say and I talk about, and I have for years talked about, the church is the hope of the world. Maybe you've heard that or said that. Honestly, sometimes it's been hard for me to frame that and, and think about, wow, the hope of the world. Like, how does that happen with this group of people? Because I didn't really know, like, the geographical magnitude of this thing called the church. So this is one way that we underestimate it. And, and let me help you with that. There are right now three million churches on the planet. Wow. I'll just let it sink in. Wow. Three million. Now, by comparison, this will help you. There's 38,000 Starbucks on the planet. I feel like Starbucks is everywhere. Seriously, I go to third world countries, they're there. I go to the UK, they're there. I go to South Africa, they're there. I order my drinks, same drink. They're everywhere. They're right down the street here. Starbucks, 38,000. And how many churches are in the world right now? Three million. So when we talk about the church, the potential, what God can do, when everybody comes together, like we're not, this is not that far-fetched, guys. Like there is so much potential and power. Like today, if we could just do a, you know, like a sweeping camera, velocity for two seconds, boom, champion center, two seconds, boom. Like we just go across just the nation, boom, boom, boom. visit churches on all different, you know, we have East Coast time, West Coast time. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Like the church, we are filling the earth right now. Church is strong. Church is powerful. There are 50,000 more churches in the United States now than there were 30 years ago. 50,000 more. And one of the reasons I'm doing this stuff and talking about it is because like you, if you listen to the other voices, They'll tell you, and, and research and, you know, media, all of that, you'll hear things that are negative in nature, church is going down. Can I just tell you, church is not going down. A church is not going down. Church, church is, has traction. Like, you'll hear 5,000 church, churches shut their doors this year. Like, oh, oh, like, ouch. 
but you won't hear 8,000 churches open. So there is a billion more Christians right now than there are automobiles on the planet. I'm just trying to give you a little perspective when I talk to you about this. this it's, it's we are people. And secondly, the church is people, which means the church is not perfect. Thank God the church is not perfect. I've been tempted to hang signs up at the doors of our church. No perfect people allowed. Because the people that cause us the most trouble are the people that think they're perfect. The Pharisees that walk in the door. You know, church is not perfect people. Right? So none of what I say in this talk I'm going to tell you a lot of positive things. I'm going to tell you about the church. I'm going to tell you about how great it is. But none of it is intended to suggest that church people are always better than unchurched people. Because they're not. I've encountered some really mean people at church. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, I got a few. Yeah. So I'm not telling you that church always has, you know, the, all the answers because it doesn't. I'm not telling you that you can trust everyone at church because you shouldn't. When people come to me and they, they, they tell me they're going in business together and they go to our church, I, I get nervous. I'm like, oh, I hope this works out okay. Like, because a lot of times, I, in my experience, the assumption is, like, like, they go to church. They love Jesus. Well, well, great, but imperfect people also come to church. And people who don't think like you think come to church. I, our main location in, in Tacoma, Washington, Tacoma per capita is one of the highest crime rates in the nation. And our church, is our, our main location is smack dab in the middle of it. And there's good and bad in that. Like, I've got, I got people who are, are, are like gangsters who, you better not mess with me. They will find you. They'll, they'll lay aside Jesus just long enough to take up for their pastor. I'm joking, but not joking. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are people there that are barely saved. Like, they're, they come out of the streets. They come out of hard life, hard background. And uh, I could tell you some funny stories on that. But, but my point is, like, we really do tell people, when you leave your seat, like, to come forward for prayer or something like that, don't leave your purse there. Because <laughs> the, 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 the people in the church, they're, they're not perfect. They're not perfect. I'm not telling you that worship will always be perfect. It won't. I'm not telling you the sound system will always be perfect. The technicians won't. I'm not telling you that the preaching will always be a 10. I went home, I went home uh, after being in the Northwest for a while. I went home to St. Louis, and my mother made my favorite meal, which is meatballs. And she set it out in front of me on my first meal home. She was so proud. She made me what I love the most. And 
and, uh, and, and, and I took a bite out of it, and my mom was looking at me, and I tried to, like, smile. It just didn't taste quite right, you know? And how's my meatball, she said. How, how is it? And I'm like, oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. And I remember my mom said back to me, she said, well, my, my meatballs are like you're preaching. Sometimes I hit it, sometimes I don't. <laughs> Somebody shout Amen. Come on, amen. We preachers, a lot of us preach. I mean, some preachers speak 50 weekends a year. Some, some, some of us get a little less than that, fewer than that to the church, you know. But, but bottom line is, I'm just telling you, we got a lot of talent in this house. We got some really great people in this house. But somebody might be impolite here. Somebody not, may not speak well to you. So, somebody may not smile at you. That, somebody might even be rude to you. Like, I, I can't guarantee you that everybody's all buttoned up and nice and kind and got it all together. Or that we're all, always going to be like on top shelf. I can tell you in this house we are aiming at excellence. We wanted to do everything at the highest level we can for the glory of God. But that doesn't mean we are perfect because we are not. And maybe this will help you on any given weekend. If you're one of those people that like spots all the, you know, like, like I feel like sometimes like I've got people with scorecards when I'm preaching, you know, one to ten. Like I feel like th their face is telling me, I'll give you a three right now. Like on any given weekend at Champion Center, we have thousands of people, but I'll have people that will on any given week, I should say. I'll, I'll get an email, and somebody will say, your church is unfriendly. I came to your church, or I've been at your church, and they are not nice, and I don't feel the love of God. On the same week, I'll get an email from somebody else who will say, your church is like heaven on earth. The people are lovely. They are very kind. I've never been at a house like that. People are so considerate. On any, and my point is that sometimes people have an attitude or an idea or a concept, and that's the issue. It's not everybody else, oh, God help us right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I know there's going to be room for criticism, but don't let that happen to you. Don't be one of those people. If God has saved you, God has brought you into his family, come on, help us out. We want to be God's great church. Amen? And let me just tell you this, God has great affection for His church. Great affection for His church. Scripture says in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives like Christ what? Like Christ what? Like He loved the church and He gave His life up for her. Now a lot of Christians know that Christ died for me, died for my sins, all that is true. But I don't think a lot of believers realize this scripture, like they don't understand how dear the church is to the heart of God. They don't understand Christ loves the church. They, they, they don't realize, like even when it's not perfect, why, why, would he, why would he give his life for the church when it's oftentimes goofy? Strange, odd, weird, imperfect. I'm going to tell you why. Because he places great value on his church. And that's why that first verse I read to you, it says, the church is not peripheral to the world. 
The world is peripheral to the church. And the point of the Scripture is that, yes, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. God still loves the world. But His focus is on His church. Peripheral vision is on the world, but His focus, His intent, the thing that He is centered on. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The thing that he is centered on is his church. Which amazes me why anybody would, who says they love Christ would be indifferent toward the church. Like, why would, how, how can you do that? Maybe you can start out that way. But if you're conforming into the image of who he is and how he's created you, then somewhere along the way, you have to put away the bad apples. You have to put behind you the negative experiences. You have to get past the judgmentalism. And you have to start to see the church like he sees it. That even though it's not perfect, like he loves the church, therefore I'm going to build my value of the church. I'm going to talk good about the church. I'm going to stand by the church. I'm going to stand with the church. I'm going to stand up for the church. Christ loved the church. I love the church. Come on, clap your hands for the church today. Okay, touch somebody and tell them we are the church. Come on, just we are. We are. Yes, we are. How many of you know that what happens here doesn't happen anywhere else? I didn't say that in this service, did I? I get these services mixed up. Thank you, Marissa. I can tell you helped your husband a lot. You're helping me today. <laughs> Sheila would thank you very much for that. Um, but I did not... I want you to understand that when we start talking about value... It has a lot to do not with us being perfect. It has a lot to do with what happens here. See, in this house, people make decisions that determine where they'll spend eternity. People get baptized. Children get taught. Right now, children are over somewhere in a classroom. That doesn't happen at Walmart. It doesn't happen at the airport. It doesn't happen at the gym. It doesn't happen at Starbucks. Because there's nowhere else like the church. I said there's nowhere else like the church. And what happens here doesn't happen anywhere else. And so the value system that God has is all about the decisions and the choices and the you know, there's, there's people here today who would say, my marriage would not, we would not be together if it were not for the church. Our restoration has been on the church. My healing came when I really began to attend church and become part of the family of God. Like, I got healed here. I got help here. I got strength here. No, I'm not perfect, but I've come a long, long way. And the church has been my strength and my help. See, the, another way to think about church 
values-wise is that the church, the God is our father. The church is your mother. Like, where would you be? How many of you had, how many of you had a, a you, you attended church as a child and you have memories? I was talking to somebody this morning. Yeah, raise your hand. I was talking to somebody this morning. We were talking about the funny things about our, our churches, you know, we attended as kids, and funny and sometimes irritating and, you know, mean people, and we're just talking about it all, and we're laughing about it, which I thought was really cool. Like, he's laughing, I'm laughing, because both of us are like, I wouldn't trade anything for the church I grew up in. Like, yeah, there was Miss Mean who pointed her finger in my face, and, but then there were those classes where I learned the B-I-B-L-E, does that's the book for me. I stand up on the word of God. B-I-B-L-E. I have all, all tw- what, 18, 20, 25. I don't know how old you girls are. They're looking at me like, they never heard that song before. Like, that's, like that's, uh, and there's all these people singing it, and you haven't sung it in years. But where did you learn when you were a kid? Where? In a church. In a church. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the great church. We wouldn't be here. And, and no matter what the enemy has tried to do, he cannot defeat the church. The church has continued through persecution. The church has continued through all kinds of, of severe judgment, harassment, shutdowns, closures. Like when I think of the church, I think, of, you know those birthday candles that, that they put on a kid's birthday cake, and there's 10 of them, and they're 10 years old, and and, and it's okay, time to blow out the candles, blow them out. And then and they're out for a minute, and then boop, they pop back on. Boop, 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 boop. You know, they come back. That's how I think of the church. Like the enemy has tried to snuff out the church, blow out the church, but the church just keeps on, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. Like, we're, we're, we're back. I'm just trying to help you understand what you're a part of today. Like, it didn't start yesterday. And it doesn't just happen anywhere. It, it, it's something God breathed on. It's something Jesus loves and gave himself for. It's what he is still building. If you want to know, I wonder what Jesus is up to nowadays. I can tell you he's building his church. This is his focus. And let me just tell you this, and, and this is a wrap-up section, is that the church is a voice for truth. There's a reason I'm telling you that right now. And the reason is, is I want you to understand that there is no such thing as Christian truth or secular truth. Only the truth. Truth is not relevant. You, you know, it, there's no such thing as your truth and my truth. I started a, a little company. It's just getting off the ground. I call it True North. And I, I kind of have a little logo of the North Star. And that's not really uncommon. There's other True North little. But this one is special to me because... I want everybody to think about this and understand this. And I, if I can say it enough times, then you can help me. Like, you know, it, it, 
true north is a, is a star that the whole, everything, everything on the earth that moves is based on true north. If you get an airplane today, they set their GPS system based on the truth about what is north, what is south, what is east, and, what is, and, and that truth is unchangeable. It doesn't matter who's in the cockpit. It doesn't matter who's on the airplane. It's, it's unchangeable. And I personally don't want to be on an airplane where the pilot comes on and he announces and says, hey, so you know, I've flown 235 flights. Today we're going to turn off the instrument panel. And I'm just going to do it like I know what I'm doing. I've done this like enough. Just relax, sit back. I'll have you there. We're going to take a shortcut today. I know. <laughs> Show me the door. Right? And we live in a world where truth is being suppressed. Truth is being canceled. People are substituting their truth for the truth. And at any if anything you need to understand about when we gather and who we are as a church, you need to just understand and support the idea. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. We'll grow to become in every respect a mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. Speak the truth in love. It doesn't say speak lies in love. It doesn't say make things up to make people feel better. It says speak the truth in love. It doesn't say, it doesn't say speak the truth in hate. It says speak the truth in love. Another, another scripture says in 1 Timothy, and this is the one that really big, is that the writer says, I'm delayed. If I'm delayed, you're going to know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's house, which is the church, the church. Somebody say the church. The church of the living God. And then look at that last line, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Our allegiance is not to man. Our allegiance is not to culture. Our allegiance cannot be to a, a uh, political party. Our allegiance cannot be to anything other than the truth. And when we don't know the truth, we need to be pursuing the truth, to understand the truth, and, and to value the Bible as the basis and the foundation of all truth. It's the Word of God. And, and so, Truth is not based on how convenient something is, and we need to really know this today. Everybody who part of your church family, will you please join with me and let it, let, let's all like wave the banner of truth, even when it's not convenient or comfortable. Lies don't set people free. Truth sets people free. Here's a quote for you, those of you who like to write stuff like this down, I'm, I'm throwing it your way. An inconvenient truth is much better than a convenient lie. An inconvenient truth is much better than a convenient lie. Are you guys okay? I'm, I'm almost out of time, but... I want to try to finish this. If I were to give you a line that you were to write this down, my number one enemy is blank. I wonder what you would put. 
in that space. My number one enemy, it's not gonna be the person next door that irritates you. And my number one enemy is not, well, you, you, in the second row, somebody pointed toward themselves. I've said that, I, I get you. But here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna layer it a little bit. Beneath that, the number one enemy is lies. You, you can chew on this this week. Send an email to your, to your pastor staff if you come up some, with something different. They'll get it to me. The number one enemy in your life, my life, the lives of everybody, of society, the number one enemy is lives. Lives destroy people's lives. Like you can say, well, you know, alcohol doesn't really hurt me. Like I, I can handle that many drinks and be careful that it's not a lie. You, you can say, well, I can handle it. Our marriage can handle it. We're, just, we're not doing it the typical way. Be careful for the lie. Well, I, you know, I this, I that. Be careful. Lies destroy lives. Jesus said the devil is a liar. He's the father of all lies. In other words, all lies come through him. So in an era, my point is in an era and a season of time where you might hear people like me, like today, I might, I don't know if I bothered anybody with my straightforward talk about but, but my point is that if any time you needed to like pry open doors of your heart to even hear inconvenient truth, that would be today. We live in a world that is filled with lies. For example, we are all created in the image of God. Not some of us all of us. Thank God for different colors of skin across this audience. But there is no racial superiority or inferiority. You might know that, but your children might be hearing other things. Where do you want them to be? You want them to be in a house. Who knows that? You want them to be in a place that celebrates that. A place that stands on the verses of Scripture. There is neither. If you know that verse, it says there is neither. Jew, Gentile, bond, free, male, female. It draws this circle. And it says when you come into this, there is no dividing people based on their differences. God unites people with their differences because our differences are a blessing. They are not a curse. This is just an example I'm trying to tell you today. There are many, many, many lies. And in this season, let's rally around the idea that we are not that, we are this. We are not those people, we are God's people. We're not caught up in that thought, that idea, that ideology. 
We're not caught up in that verbiage, that narrative. We are the church and we are God's people. Amen.